podcast where we get to know the best CEOs, investors, and entrepreneurs in the mining industry. I'm your host, Jamie Keach. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Resource Insider Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Jamie Keach, and I am coming to you from the Inventa Capital Studio. Now, today on the podcast, I sat down with an old friend of mine, a gentleman named Mike Allen. He is the president of Northern Vertex, a mining company with assets in Arizona and Nevada. So we talk about Northern Vertex's recent merger with Eclipse Gold. We talk about the work being done on the Moss Mine, their asset in Arizona. And we talk about the recent drill results at the Hercules Project in Nevada. This is a really fun, really cool conversation that gets into into the weeds a little bit on Northern Vertex and mining in the Western United States in general. So without further ado, let me please introduce Mike Allen, president of Northern Vertex Mining. Mike, welcome to another episode of the Resource Insider Podcast. You are our second guest to actually make it into the studio. I got a lot of shit from people last time about how ugly our studio was. So I've put this plant here now. I think it's <laughs> I think least, it's much more picturesque at this point. At least are you sure they weren't talking about us being ugly in the in the last studio or <laughs> We had Dustin Perry from Kingfisher on. I uh, he's a little rough around the edges. Oh, it might okay. have been that. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> so this is our is it our second or our third conversation? I think it's our third sort of recorded conversation. Okay. Am I wrong on that? I, I was going to go with two. Okay. But, uh, well, we've had a lot of non-recorded conversations. Uh, we'll call this one number two. The last time we spoke, you were the CEO of Eclipse Gold, um, an exploration play focused on Nevada. I was an early investor. Resource Insider members were early investors into that um, project. A lot has changed over the last, call it, four to six months. Correct. Why don't you tell us who you, what you're doing today, and we'll kind of give the the Cliff's Notes version of how that all came together. Okay. Um, you, you know, you're right. The last time that we talked, I was, I was the CEO uh, of Eclipse. Uh, in December of 2020, we announced that Eclipse was going to to merge with uh, with Northern Vertex. Northern Vertex is a is an Arizona producer. It's got the the Moss Mine about two hours uh, southeast of, of Las Vegas. So what we did is bringing the two teams together, um, enhanced uh, the the management. Uh, Doug Hurst, who was the the uh, director of of Eclipse, became the chairman of, of Vertex. Subsequent to to the amalgamation of the the two companies, there was a management change. I became the the president uh, of the company, and it really is a uh, uh, moving forward, bringing the best of of both teams together and being able to to unlock the the value for shareholders. What we see as a as a core strategy uh, of of Vertex going forward is it something like what my past life, where I was the CEO of a company called Northern Empire, where we had a backstop of value. A great exploration upside, and it led to a great, great win for shareholders. So, what we have here in Northern Vertex is we've got the backstop of value for the producing mine. One of the things that that I think that that most investors don't know about is the upside potential of the of the moss. Uh, recently, Vertex uh, permitted 538 drill sites, 
And so we're going to be able to articulate that, that upside to, to the market. And then the merger also put in a, a pipeline project, which was the Eclipse asset, uh, the Hercules Gold project, which is just outside of Reno. Okay. So we're going to get into all of that today. We're going to get into what's going on at the Moss Mine, Northern Vertex's sort of original asset. We're going to talk about Hercules, of course, which came from Eclipse. Um, you know, this is a particularly compelling company, an interesting story for me, because as you know, and some of our longer term listeners know, Resource Insider had invested independently uh, several years ago into Northern Vertex. We were early shareholders in that. We made great returns there. We also invested independently into Eclipse before there was ever any conversations here. And so to see these teams come together and sort of a recognition of mutual value is very validating for us and mm -hmm. kind of very exciting for that. And a big, you know, outside of the geological sort of upside of, of both projects, a big reason I invested in both teams or in both companies was because of the teams mm -hmm. involved. And I think this is a really interesting and kind of cool amalgamation of teams that are going on here, right? Because you have the guys that were coming from Eclipse, yourself, um, Doug Hurst, who I think is probably worth getting into a little yep. bit from for people who haven't heard of him before, uh, Marcel de Groot. And then you have the backers of Northern Vertex, which is uh, Greenstone Capital, you know, a rather large private equity firm out of London. Yep. You've got Mavericks Metals, who's got a, a, a silver stream on the Moss Mine. And course is led by Jeff Burns who's on the board yep. uh, and you know longtime CEO of Pan American Silver and amazing track record so I mean I think you've taken two great teams and sort of combined them into you know a really stellar team and Christ I have no idea what the combined sort of value creation must be of, of the various executives and directors and whatnot that are involved at this point it's actually over six billion. There you go. I, was gonna say, <laughs> I assume you guys are probably a, that should be a slide in the presentation. Yeah, if it actually, isn't, it already. is. <laughs> All right. So, tell me. So, day to day, what's it look like now? You're the president. You've brought on Warwick Board, uh, yep. who, you know, incredible geologist, who is your VPX and is the current VPX. Doug Hurst as chairman. Yeah. What are you guys focused on now? Who's doing what? What's the plan going forward? Well, I. As the CEO of the company, I mean, my role is, is value creation. Uh, we got a lot of different ways uh, of doing that. And I think that the, the biggest thing that's going to drive a, a re-rate for the combined Northern Vertex is really articulating the full potential of the, of the moss in the, in the near term. As I said, we've got the 538 uh, drill sites. We've got three rigs turning on, on the property right now. The immediate focus is actually to do a resource update on, on the moss and really articulate a backstop of, of, of value and then be able to articulate what the, the upside is. There's a lot of, of veins that are showing on, on surface where we've got high-grade surface samples and we're going to be able to, to drill those out in the, in the coming months. So I think you're going to see a, a big re-rate with the company as we start to see where that, that potential or where that upside is to, to the moss property and, and the mine itself. Okay, so, you know, I think it's important to, 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 to talk about a couple things here. So, you know, I, went, I first went and visited the Moss Mine. I believe it was in the 
it was in the winter, like about December 2018. And Ken Barry, the CEO at the time, sort of took me out and sort of sat me on the edge of where they had their mining licenses up to and then showed me this moss vein that's like shooting down into the distance. It's like a spine of a dinosaur's back. And exactly right. So blatant there. And he's just, you know, we're going to keep mining that thing and keep going forward. Yep. And at the time, uh, they were sort of unlocking access to that with permitting. Correct. Um, and so you've mentioned two things that uh, I think are worth talking about. One, you said 500 and something drill holes were permitted. Correct. I'd like to talk about what the significance of that is in uh, in places like Arizona, mm-hmm. as we are. And two, you talked about other veins, because I think it's worth explaining to people who haven't had the opportunity to go there that the Moss Mine as it exists, and I think I'm right on this, is all along one vein, right? It's only mining the moss vein, right? It, it, there's a secondary set, but it gets the roof, but close enough, yeah. So it sounds to me like there's, you guys believe there's the potential to expand that along multiple veins and p- potentially massively upgrade the resource. Is the, am I understanding yeah, that's that right? A, that's the, the, the hypothesis. So um, if I can use this this crack on the on the table, this 1500 meter section is the, is the permitted uh, moss mine. Mm-hmm. And Further to the east, there's another four kilometers. That's what I'm looking down when the, I'm the, saying. That's yeah, the dinosaur yeah, okay. spine. Don't forget, there's also another kilometer and a half further to the to the west. Mm-hmm. So you've got a, a total uh, strike length of about six kilometers, six and a half kilometers to work with. This 1,500 meters has got the published resource, and is that's what's what's driving the mine. And that's about half a million ounces, am that's, I right? That's yeah. correct. Yeah. So okay, potential to upgrade that. But what about, you're talking about other veins in the area. Correct. So this is the, the moss vein, and this is a great table for, 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 <laughs> <laughs> for this. Further to the south, there's called the, what's called the Oatman, or West Oatman vein. Yep. And further to, to the north, there's the, there's the Old Timer. And how these all are, are interrelated, we've actually got a fairly de- decent ge- um, geophysical package. They all interrelate. It's... Um, Forgive the geologist at here. It's a, a big sinusoid loop, and it gives you those parallel structures. Okay, so these veins are running boom parallel to each other. What's the, what's the spacing on these things? Are these hundreds of meters apart, kilometers apart? What are They're, yeah, probably probably a, about a kilometer would be the, the the step between. Okay, and so the vision of the of the mine is it becomes got your primary crusher as the spoke and you've got several pits moving in right. sort of the, yeah, the yeah. hub and spoke model so you got to have pits to the east pits to the west pits to the north pits to the south yeah. and the original moss projects right here and you're trucking back and forth and yeah so and, you know when we i remember sort of one of the initial challenges when when i first went there was the idea of so how do you upgrade the moss mine from producing more than 50, 60,000 ounces a year, given the sort of constraints of the pit and the uh, geography, mm-hmm. you know, is the solution here not to just sort of refigure the moss pit, but to have these multiple pits up and going it, and it, operating? Or it's, is it, is uh, well, it more that, that complicated is a, than that? No, actually, that's the, that's a fairly simple way of, of, of articulating it. It's the number of working faces. Right now, the moss has essentially got one working face. And as you have these multiple satellite pits, the the spokes on on the on it, then you get more working faces. You can bring more tons into the, to the primary crusher and get it out onto onto the leach pad. You're you're not going to be as confined as just having a single working face to to work with. Okay, what? So I, I want to be. Um, 
sort of careful how I ask this question because I don't want you to speculate. But I do want to get an idea like, for people to have an idea and for myself to have a better idea. Like, what is the potential scale here? If, you know, when I first looked at this, it was, you know, the moss is about half a million ounces. Maybe there's the potential to get it up to a million ounces there. Yep. Are you guys viewing that differently today than was previously looked at? I I think that the, the potential is beyond a million ounces, quite quite substantially. I mean, it's simple simple math um, to, 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 to start thinking about the potential. If the 1500 meter strike links give you the gives you the published resource that we have right now, quad it out and then double it or triple it again, and you start to see where the potential could be. Obviously, not every hole is gonna gonna hit. Obviously, there's going to be parts of, of the vein that, that that aren't productive. But having you know, you having been there, me having been there, it's actually fairly simple exploration. There's the vein. Yeah. Walk walk along it with a with a drill rig, and you know that we already know from surface sampling, historic mining in the in the area that that vein runs. So it's just a question of, you know, how does it how does it pull into a, a, an open pit scenario. So, and I, and I think, you know, heavily, heavily, heavily qualifying this, like doing the math in my head, you know, there's a pretty easy pathway to two to three million ounces there in the event that we do find, you know, comparable gold grades and over, you know, comparable intersections across the vein in different areas. Yeah. So that gets kind of exciting all of a sudden. Well, then, you know, once you get past that million, then you're starting into, into getting into, into relevance you can start stepping up the, the operation. You've got a, a million ounces on, on the on the books. You start looking at you know a 10-year a, a life of mine at 100,000 ounces a year, and you start to get into you know, serious, serious production, serious uh, capital, cash flow, and all those wonderful things. And then there's a lot of very large gold companies in the United States that would be looking to add something like that to their portfolio, potentially. Well. This is also you know, uh, uh, one of the things that that being in the in the Western U.S., it's not just U.S. gold producers that are that are looking to, to work in in the in the states. There's a lot of companies that are looking for jurisdictional risk and 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 saying, okay, having an asset in Arizona versus having something, you know, we've got a, a great asset in a more challenging jurisdiction, and we've it was got very politically correct of you, Mike. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> Um, you know, a ch in a challenging jurisdiction, but they lower their jurisdictional risk by having an asset in, in the States. So yeah. you see a lot of companies that, that, that are doing that. And, uh, and I think it's a, it's a good business model to, to diversify the risk. So let's talk about Arizona. Okay. You've mm -hmm. got patented land, you've got unpatented land, you've got sort of the challenge of getting these drill platforms permitted or drill holes permitted. Talk to me about what your land package is and maybe can you define for people at home what the difference between patented and unpatented land is in this part of the world? Yeah, I mean patented land is essentially private property. Um, that's that's the easiest, uh, uh, most simple way to, to describe it. You own the surface rights, the mineral rights, you, you, you own it all. Public or, or unpatented claims it's you have the mineral rights, but you're also under the jurisdiction. It's public land, so um, depending on on where you are, you're dealing with either the BLM or the U.S. Forest Service. It's all under Department of, of Interior, and so you've got 
a bit more uh, regulations to, to, to work with. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it really is, this is the most mining in the, in the U.S. is done on, on public property. And so you have to permit and, and go forward that way. And Northern Vertex over the past couple of years has done most of the heavy lifting associated with that. Is, am I right on that? Because I know, I mean, we've again been invested in this since, since 2019. Yeah. And, you know, we waited really um, with kind of bated breath for them to unlock that patented land or unpatented land, rather. Correct. Um, and when we did, you know, that was part of the catalyst that really saw from when we invested at 23 cents, the share price shoot up to, to 50 cents when they were able to access all that ground. And so you've got what is it? 500 drill holes, Five, 538 drill pads. You can drill, drill multiple, multiple from each pad. So let's talk about why that's significant, because that can take months or sometimes years to, to get that sort of permitting. Am I right on that? Correct. Um, the timeline for, for that, it's called a, a, a plan of operations or an, a, an MPO. Um, it's about an 18-month process to, okay. to get that. And so, yeah, uh, if you look at, at the Northern Vertex disclosure, about a year ago, they got that permit. They were able to step off the operations and put uh, leach pads on, onto public ground, yes. ground, unpatented ground, and then they were able to, to permit the, uh, the, the drilling. So since that time that, that the, the permits were in hand, the mine went and, and has started to build on permitted pads on public ground. Uh, and the, then the exploration side has not really been worked on yeah and okay and so this is kind of like the age-old problem you often hear in mining um and i can't you know even begin to list the number of companies that have said this that you know we're gonna put our mine into small-scale production we're gonna use the money to fund exploration and we're gonna extend it and blah 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 but what often happens to these in these situations is, you know, production takes longer, is more expensive, is more complicated to get up and going and cash flowing than anyone anticipates. Um, you know, I, I mean, and this was in part the case with Northern Vertex. It was just that the ramp up was slower. They had to sort out issues with the heat bleach. That you know, they they addressed all the challenges that are common within these sort of startup operations. Correct. And that in turn sucks up. And con consumes all the capital that was in theory going to be earmarked for exploration. So right. you've gone from being the CEO of two explorers mm -hmm. to now uh, running a operator with what intends to be a heavy exploring arm. Are, are you guys going to fall into the same trap here and be stuck in the day-to-day -day grind of optimizing an operation? Or are you going to have the capacity, the bandwidth to really go out and nail it in the exploration program? Well, that, I, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. And and that, it's actually a, a name for, for what the, that business model, it's called the Western Australian model. Very few companies, as you said, get to that, uh, that uh, exit velocity to actually become the, the producer and being able to take that next step. Yeah. A and so for me, um, I've actually been watching this asset for, for about a decade and you saw how it, how it went through. And now it's actually the, the operation, the day-to-day -day mining has been stabilized and has been, been working well. And it's moving out and it's, it's achieved that exit velocity. And now we're at the stage where we're comfortable saying, okay, it's time to make the, the capital in investment in doing the exploration. Part of the, the merger with Eclipse and, and Northern Vertex was us being able to bring $20 million of exploration capital to bear on, on the project. That was the financing that we did in December of, of 2020. Mm -hmm. So the capital is, is there. The mine is doing 
doing well. It's got uh, its own capital needs that it's that it's able to cover, and then we're going to have the the exploration uh, arm, for lack of a better term. That's all funded and ready to go. And so that $20 million is largely earmarked for exploration at both Moss and surrounding area and Hercules. Largely, yeah. Okay, so let's talk for a second about uh, you know where you guys are from, uh, I guess, financial perspective. So mm-hmm. right now, you know, I just checked before this, you guys are trading at $0.38 cents a share. Yep. What, what, what is the market cap right now? About $140 million. $140 million. And you've recently listed the warrants, right? Correct. And what are they trading at? About a dime for the sake of the argument. Okay. So we participated in the last financing. I participated in the last financing. Was it at 52 cents? Uh, it was 50 cents a, a, a vertex share. Right. We, we priced it all in, in, in vertex terms. Yeah. And so we invested at 50 cents a vertex share. That gave us a half warrant executable at... 80 cents. 80 cents. Okay. So now we skip ahead... What has it been? Six weeks? Something, something like, like that? Something like that, yeah. So skip ahead six weeks. You're now able to, one, buy the stock at $0.38. Cents. Two, buy the warrant, a full warrant, not a half warrant, at $0.10. Cents. So that comes $0.48. Cents. Yeah. So not only are you getting a full warrant versus a half warrant, you're doing it for $0.02 cents cheaper than I was able to. And you don't have a four-month hold on any of it. Correct. So is this a buying opportunity or a selling opportunity, would you say, for... <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm lobbying this one over the plate here. But it, it is a unique opportunity, I think. And, you know, we haven't sold a share. We, you know, we bought into this financing. And the reason I ask this, because I, I want to help paint a picture for people at home. Yeah. If this can be, theoretically, if this could be 2 million ounces in resource producing 100 thousand ounces a year or say a clear pathway to how one could produce a hundred thousand ounces a year what are these kind of assets valued at what are they going for in this part of the world oh boy um hundred thousand ounce a, a year producer um or even say like if you're producing fifty thousand ounce but you can say if we do x y z over the next 18 months or 24 months oh, it's it, it's definitely a a much higher multiple of, of of what we have, um, there's a, a, an asset that's not quite permitted that I know of in, in Nevada. That's about a seventy thousand ounce a year producer, uh, or on paper hasn't hasn't been built, so it doesn't have that that capital. Their mar- their market cap is much larger than, than ours. Um, so I I see, you know, you look at um, I'm just trying to think of a of a hundred thousand ounce a year producer. You know what uh, the core asset that that uh, that that they have in, in North Dakota wharf is somewhere in, in that, that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I think that they paid $400 million for it. You know, and that was a few years ago. So, you know, a revaluation, uh, off, uh, off of that, given the, the higher gold price. So you start to see where, where the multiple, yeah. cause multiple, you're trading at what? $130 million market cap, uh, 140, Can- 140 Canadian. And that would have been a 400 American. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So you do start to see w- what the potential is here, yeah. right? But we haven't talked about Hercules yet. Correct. Which is, you know, the other piece of the puzzle. So mm-hmm. Moss, operating mine, exploration upside in Arizona, down the road, well, a little ways down the road <laughs> in Nevada, just outside of Reno. Yep. Uh, we've got the Hercules asset. Correct. Totally different stage, basically grassroots exploration, would uh, you say? Pre, pre-resource is what I would call it. Pre-resource. But... You've just completed a drill campaign, got results back. We waited 
ages and ages and ages to get those. I think we waited four months, didn't we? Did, we? we did wait, uh, wait four months. I would like to talk about those results. I've got them on my little iPad here. Yep. Um, because, you know, we have members. They see these results posted. They're investors in this. You know, they're, they're all smart people, but they're not necessarily technical people. Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, we've got 30.48 meters of 1.63 grams per ton gold uh, and 18 grams per ton silver. You know, what does that mean? So can we put into context what you've discovered here at, at um, Hercules and what that means in terms of what you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, when you, when you, you know, roll back my life, the, the, you know, a, a year and a half or two years when, when I was you know, CEO of Eclipse and stepped onto, onto Hercules, or, or actually even before Eclipse was, was formed, what Hercules is, it's, it's a huge near-surface gold system. It is absolutely enormous. Now we've got, got drill results and a geological model that's giving us a predictable, uh, ge uh, pardon me, a geological model that, that's giving us predictable results. We're seeing gold at surface, we drill the hole, we get the numbers. And that's, that's ultimately the proof in the pudding. Now we can start to say, okay, we're going to start heading towards resource. What attracts me or attracted me to, to Hercules, as I say, is the, is the raw size scale of it. You've actually been to site? Yeah. 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 And, and so, you know, you've got a series of showings, the Hercules showing the cliffs, rattlesnakes, uh, Northeast, Lucky, Rusty, Sprite, sirens um it's a monstrous project a and to be able to a get all the land to be able to assess it properly and then b to to under uh, being able to unlock the the geological riddle now we're in a, in a place where we can really start to to unlock value for it um one of the things that that i said when i when i first saw set foot onto onto hercules was that it had the potential to be a generational mine like that, you know, multiple twenty years, and that and that's shocking. It takes a lot of time to, to to prove that that out, but you stand there on the ground and look at it. The raw potential of it is there, and as we've unlocked the the geological mystery of it all with our with our recent drilling, we're now getting in into something that we can, can move forward with and head towards resource estimates. So let's talk about that for a second. The unlocking of a geological mystery. Yeah. Um, because, and you got to remember, you got to put this in terms of geology for idiots here, but like, you know, I'm not a geologist. Most listeners are not, but you know, most people that you think you go out, all right, well, you stick a hole in the ground and like come, you look at the rocks and it's there or it's not there. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's not as simple as that. And you guys, you know, did multiple drill programs. Uh, the second one is, is more successful than the first one. Yep. There are reasons for that. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about in layman's terms? the process of, of, of what your initial assumptions were going in, mm -hmm. how you got those results or what, you know, you got the results, how that changed those assumptions and what you changed and tested that re resulted in the, the second batch of results. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, the original thinking behind her, uh, behind Hercules was it was a, a classic epithermal system uh, and if you go to, to your geological textbook, and I have pictures on, on my wall, these things are, are shaped sort of like a, a Y. Mm -hmm. And so we were thinking uh, cliffs, Hercules, and we set up our, our driller orientation to drill that way, um, hit, hit those, those targets. 
what it actually turned out to, to be is a bit more complicated when you actually take a look at the, the more regional picture. Everything, it's not a Y shape. It's, it, everything dips in, in one, one direction. Um, this is actually similar to the Comstock. Comstock all dips in one direction, right. but, it, but it rolls. Which over. is just down the road, really. It's about 20, 20 miles to, to the west of us. Once we got that shape dialed in, we were able to to change our drilling rather than than drilling trying to hit something square going this way from that side flip it over and we're we're trying to drill it square from from this side so you know and this might be complicated to do but you know i've heard you credit warwick with really figuring out this unusual shape here yep how does he go like you know and for people who haven't seen this, you know, when you get drill results back, you basically get a table of numbers, right? And I you model it. Yeah. And like, what was his process to look at that and be like, you know, okay, all right, we were wrong on round one. And these are the indicators that show, in fact, it's it's like this. You know, what happened there? How did he do that? Because it sounds easy when you say it. Uh, but I know <laughs> that, you know, a lot of late nights went in for Warwick and, you know, a lot of time and energy and stress to really figure this out. So, yeah. How does that process work for people that have never had the joys and pains of interpreting a geological model? Well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, first of all, talking about, about Warwick, um, he is truly special uh, in terms of, of geological knowledge. Um, I, I've known him for, for over a decade, only worked with him for about a year and a half, but he is, is truly, truly special individual up there top 20 geologists on the, on the planet, in my opinion. Um, how does did, did he do it? His mind is able to take a lot of a lot of data and, and think about it both in, in 3D and in time. So when he made the, the, the new geological model, he was incorporating surface mapping, surface sampling, existing drill hole data, Geophysics that that we had, had uh, collected on on the uh, the main showings, um, there was a a, uh, a recent university thesis that that came out on on our areas. A, a young geologist by the name of Michael Say published his thesis on it, bringing all that in. And and actually between work work and and Michael Say, Mike made the the first leap into this is all all east dipping. And then having actually to step back and actually look at the at the at a very large scale as to what actually is, is driving the the structure of this area. So it, it's a matter of looking at the minutia, stepping back to the to the large scale, seeing if it if it works, going back into the minutia, back out again, and, and it takes a, a, a special mind of you know somebody like Warwick, somebody like like Michael Say to be able to t to, to take all that and say. Bang! This is this is what is happening. It's a it's a massive um, synthesis uh, of data, and thinking about it in time as well. How hmm. things are moving over time. Mike, that is a great answer to that question. <laughs> I did not know if and how you were going to be able to answer that, but that was a good one. Yeah, Thank that you. was a very good answer. Okay, so again, very simplistically though, now you've got an idea of what's actually going on under the ground at Hercules. Yep. You've got an understanding of the geological model. You know, is it is it simple from here on out? Is it just a matter of banging out more drill holes and away you go, or um, what's next? I th 
I feel more comfortable with the the geological model at, at Hercules than than I I ever have before. There's been a lot of of, of challenges historically with you know you'd get a hit you'd get a miss you'd get a hit you'd get a miss uh we we got the the new model uh that that we created and we had a 95 percent hit rate okay that's that's giving me you know a bit more (laughs) uh, a bit more comfort comfort working with it um geology does make you humble though i mean we've got a model that that works for today's information how it's going to change in the in the future, you just don't know. I mean, that's that's part of the uh, of why uh, the exploration and and mining business is is so humbling is the fact that actually there's a, there's a great saying that that Marcel de Groot has: uh, God created gold and the devil sprinkles it around. At, at <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's good. Oh yeah, that's a that's a, actually I think that Marcel got that from from David Lowell, another fantastic. Geologist, but uh, you know, it, it is complicated, and you know, there, there's a lot of, of subtleties. And you have an idea, you think that, that we've got it dialed in, but we really, what our, our plan is for for 2021 at, at Hercules is to confirm that we've got it got it dialed in. We're going to do a little exploration program up there, a couple of million dollars, really get ourselves uh, a a, you know, a confirmation that we're going to have the the success that we hope that, that we had. And then in 2022, then we're going to be able to, to step forward with a really nicely dialed in geological model and, and hopefully head towards a, a maiden resource at Hercules. And what's the goal there? I mean, what what's success look like for a maiden resource? I'd, I'd like to get it over a, over a million ounces. Given the scale of what Hercules is, that's actually not particularly difficult i mean the size of the structure the size of the alteration the width the breadth of mm-hmm. the mineralization that we've already defined by by drilling and, and surface sampling i think that we can get it north of a, of a million ounces with our our first pass uh, resource estimate now something special or at least noteworthy about hercules is you're getting good grades from surface right exactly why is that important why should people care for people who don't really have familiarity with this part of the world and and how this sort of these assets work. Well, uh, uh, for a couple of, couple of reasons, um, one, you're very quickly into rock that's paying for itself. So you've got mineralization uh, at surface. That rock is going to go into a leach pad. You're going to be quickly into, into payback of your capital. The other more um, subtle thing, is if particularly in, in this part of the world, is the, the rocks being exposed to surface are oxidized. And that's important when you get into processing. So um, something like the, the moss, it's an oxidized deposit. It's an open pit, heap leach target. Open pit, big trucks, big equipment, simple to, to do. Heap leach, low capex. You don't have a, a massive mill that you need to be constructing. Mm-hmm. So you start to think about the look to the future and think about the the potential economics of, of this project it's it's trending into an area that makes it a, a more desirable asset lower capex lower opex and, and much more profitable and big yeah. and that's those are the things that that look uh, that make mining assets attractive yeah and i'll just sort of reiterate for people at home that you know so many projects around the world they don't have I guess the benefit of having ore grade mineralization or grade rock right at surface that you can throw through a mill and start making money off, you know, not on day one, but pretty close. So many projects have 
tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars or occasionally billions of dollars of stripping and, and digging and just work up front before you ever really get a payday on, on the deposit. And when you get into that position, it really impacts the, uh, I guess, the value of the asset. And it also limits the number of buyers for an asset that people can actually go out and write that $200 million check up front to do the work and, and, uh, and get things done. So having this sort of near-term, I'm sort of maybe getting ahead of myself, but having the potential for sort of near-term at-surface mineralization is a huge boon, especially in a place like Nevada. Yeah. And the other thing, um, when your readers are, are looking at, at the news release, there's, a, there's another drill hole in there. Um, it's hole 40, the last hole of the program, of, uh, of course. The, the intercept is actually quite deep down the hole, and that actually doesn't scare me because of the, the geometry of the area. Now, you've been to, to site. This is the cliff's target, and yeah. it's like this. A lot of hills. A lot of hills. We drilled into it, but it's actually relatively close to the surface because it's there's this right. side as well. Mm-hmm. So again, as you're as you're mining, you can you're you're again close to pay payback. It's 200 meters down the hole, but it's not actually all that far from the surface, and 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 it's relatively accessible by mining. All right, got it. Yeah. Okay, we've talked about a lot. Um, I said I was going to keep you for half an hour. Yeah. John, where are we? 35, 35 minutes. Not so bad. Yeah. Is there anything I didn't talk about today that I should have? Anything exciting happening? Things people should be looking forward to coming up over the coming uh, several months? I know it's summer yeah. coming up in Nevada and Arizona. Obviously, a lot of work's going to be getting done. Not that it's that hard in Arizona in the winter. <laughs> what do we have to look forward to as shareholders? Well, you know, you, you sit here at, at today, and, and we're trading at thirty six, thirty eight cents, whatever, whatever that that number is. And, and I'm, I'm here as, as the president of, of the of the company, and I'm feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that 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 my job is, is is articulate the the upside, but protect against the the downside. I have to protect shareholder value. We've got a permitted producing asset for for protecting it against the downside. As I look around the properties and the assets and see the upside potential, this keeps me, uh, you know, gets me uh, to to sleep at night. That downside protection is there. The upside potential is what gets me springing out of bed in the morning yeah. and, and, and excited to to go to work. There's so much upside that we can can articulate, some so much value that we that we can create for for shareholders. Downside is protected. Upside is is all there both at Moss and at, at Hercules. So for me, it's, it's a really exciting time to, to, to be you know, running this company and, and moving it forward. So something else I wanted to touch on, you reminded me. So you've already had a, some success in M&A. You and Doug Hurst sold the Sterling asset out of uh, Northern Empire to Coors yep. back in 2017, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Time flies, man. And no, then, actually, it's 2017 is when we bought it. 2018 is when we sold. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, the long project there. Exactly. Um, but Doug, who Doug Hurst, who's come on as chairman of of Northern Vertex, he's had a tremendous amount of M and A experience throughout his career. Absolutely. For people listening at home and considering buying this stock, and they, you know, they want to get an idea of the good hands it's in, can you give us a sort of a swift overview of Doug's experience? We might need to extend this podcast for <laughs> oh, oh. half an hour. <laughs> There's editing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, 
Doug, Doug is actually one of the more interesting people that that you'll that you ever get a chance to meet. Um, he's he was a an analyst for a precursor to to Sprott. He actually worked directly for Eric Sprott back in the back in the day. Okay, uh, he was an analyst, and, and so he knows through firsthand experience, you know what actually good looks like, and, and so that that's been a, a, a foundational piece of, of his career. Uh, after he finished up with, with Sprott, he was a consultant for, for various companies, and he and another gentleman called Doug Silver were one of the first movers in the in the royalty space that created a company called International Royalty Corporation. Yes. Um, their probably biggest success was they got the royalty on Boise's Bay, or part of it. Right. And they sold that to Royal... Royal Gold, Royal Royalties, Royal Royal Gold Royalties. Royal Gold, yeah. It's like a tongue twister that Royal Gold for, I think it was $700 million or something in that ballpark, right? Yeah. 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 And and, and so I I teasingly, I somewhat likened Doug to to being a professional poker player. He uh, he, he lives, he's not in Vancouver, he's he's out in in Nelson, but he just, he's enough into the, the game, he just watches deals go by. And, and you know if it's something that's interesting to him, he'll play in, in them. And then when you see him go in, you know, draw to, to professional poker player, pocket aces, you see him pushing big. So when we did Northern Empire together, um, Doug was aware of of the Sterling asset. But when we actually did the the site visit and he was able to see the the upside potential, Doug went in big. He became the executive chairman and, and ultimately had that that success. Another uh, transaction, which is uh, actually more analogous to what we're doing right now, is Doug was part of the founding group for uh, New Market. Yes, they bought the the Crocodile asset, uh, Crocodile Gold, uh, Fosterville. Applied a, a a whack of exploration capital, made the discovery of of the Swan Zone, and and were able to sell that uh, that company to Kirkland Lake Gold. Kirkland Lake Gold went from I believe it was eight bucks at the time of the transaction. I think that they're trading now at forty five, fifty bucks, largely on the back of. And that's where a lot of Eric Sprott's money that's been funding the sector for the last couple of years has come from, right? Because he was a big shareholder in that group. As Correct, well. exactly. And they sold it for what? Over a billion dollars to Kirkland. I think. It, it yeah. was uh, the number that I that I have in my mind was it was a billion dollars. Yeah. yeah. And and this is this is what um, the quote unquote Hearst Allen business model is is finding forgotten assets, whether it's the Sterling, uh, Croc, or actually what Doug is, is uh, involved with uh, uh, also is uh, Caliber. Yep. Uh, in the, Nicaragua. In Nicaragua, yeah. the, those those secondary assets within uh, within B two, put some exploration capital in them. That's what we're doing here at, at Moss. And then being able to articulate the true potential of the asset to to the market. So, you know, you look at the the success, Northern Empire, uh, uh, New Market, Caliber, and, and now we've got uh, Northern Vertex and the and the Moss going. You can see the pattern here. This is how it's 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 going to work, and it's been successful for for Doug and I in the past, and and we hope that we have that that sort of success in the future here with Northern Vertex. All right. Well, I don't think we're going to find a better place to end it than there. If people want to know more about Northern Vertex, about Mike Allen, where do they go? Where do they look? What's your home phone number so that I can get you? 
Day uh, or night? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, northernvertex.com is, okay. the, is the website uh, going forward. Contact information is there. All right. Mike Gowan, Northern Vertex. Thank you very much. No problem. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Me too. If you want more like it, head over to resource-insider.com, my website where you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter, where you're going to get instant access to all of our new podcasts and videos. We're going to keep you up to date on what's going on in the mining industry. And most importantly, we're going to show you where we're investing our own money and what I think are the hottest deals and opportunities in the sector. Thanks for listening.